providing tips and guidance to help you grow your business. You're listening to the Advisor to Advisor podcast, advice for advisors from advisors. Hi, this is Scott. This is Pat. Glad you're part of Hans McLean's Advisor to Advisor this week. And we've got, uh, I think, interesting topic. We're talking about digital marketing. And, you know, Pat and I, we've always believed that marketing is integral to our business. It, it is a, uh, for most people, it's probably the hardest part of the business to manage because it's very, very proactive, not reactive. And I'll tell you, I remember years ago, my wife and I were first married. We were in an, an engaged couples class. Bunch of young couples, except for one couple, as you can tell, it was a second marriage. At least I assumed it was. And the gentleman was probably in his mid-40s, and he was a certified financial planner. I had yet to get my CFP at that point. I was young. And um, I remember thinking, wow, he's probably, things probably going pretty well for him. He's got a CFP and all this. And two weeks later, I'm at the gas station getting gas. And this back in the day, you had to go in inside to pay. I went inside to pay for the gas. And who's working the cash register? But Mr. CFP. And it, I remember he didn't own the gas station, right? So he just worked there. And I remember I went to the next cash register guy because I felt funny just seeing him. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, here's this guy is, middle-aged, been in the industry for a long time, certified financial planner, and he's pumping gas for a living. And I thought if he had enough clients, he wouldn't have to worry about this. And I remember at that point, it was one of those moments that I really thought, this business, look, we can pretend like we're just these wonderful professionals and people are lining up around the street to see us. But the fact is, if people don't know, don't hear about you, don't know your story, they're not going to be lined up around the streets, and you're not going to have people to serve. And, and if you don't have people to serve, who in the world are you helping? What's the point? And there's lots of different ways, obviously, to market in the business. You could go professional to professional. You could go mass market. You could go niche. There's lots and lots of different ways. But the most important thing is that you have a consistent method or methodology that you're using on a daily or weekly basis you're actually understanding what the inputs are and what the outputs are. Having some sort of plan that you follow. Yeah, and the inputs either time or money, or um, in the in this particular situation, we're going to talk a little bit about digital today. Yeah, but so we've done all kinds of different marketing. We are, we, we, we've tried everything. Well, I mean, and we everything we've thought of so far. I mean, we've done. Lots and lots of direct mail. Little tiny ads and newspapers. Little pads and newspapers <laughs> and regional those. newspapers. Big ads and in big yes, newspapers. big ads. Big ads and big new- radio advertising, television, public television. We haven't done public radio yet, though. No. Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Yes, we did. We did advertise. It was this program segment's brought to you by. We oh. did that. Yes, we did. Oh, okay. That. Uh, we didn't do. We haven't done the airplane with the banner no. flying over the. Past. Or dressing like a giant mutual fund and standing in the. But it, I'd dress like a giant ETF and stand in there, the road. Jeff. We haven't done that. No, we haven't done that. Um, but uh, for twenty some odd years, we've done a, a weekly radio program. Terrestrial radio is changing, and we understand that ten years out, uh, it's it may not even be relevant any longer. Yes, everyone's. We all spend our time on our iPhones or, or whatever the device you got. That's where we spend our time. Podcasts are becoming more prevalent. Little short videos, th- this whole digital channel. So, and we see that on a consistent basis, where even the producers of their own content are actually trying to get in the distribution uh, business more and more with uh, o- their own channel. Hence, no our, hence our own podcast. 
Yeah, the Handsome Guy, my, our radio program, we've been doing podcasts for a couple of years. So on today's program, we are interviewing our very own VP of Marketing, Brad Bukestein. And Brad, uh, thanks for taking a few moments to be with us today. Of course. Hi, guys. Yeah. So, Brad, uh, Brad, you joined Handsome McLean a year and a half ago, a couple of years ago? Yeah, about, yeah, about two years. And your background, um, why don't you tell us what your background yeah, is? Briefly. And what kind of value do you expect to bring to Handsome McLean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm what you would define as a, a digital native, so something that's grown up with uh, phones and, and smartphones and technology. How old are you? So, uh, I am 32. Okay. And so kind of to, to give some context to that, I was one of the first 2 million people on Facebook when it first came out, when they were spreading it to colleges across the country. And so I've kind of been kind of in the social space and the digital advertising space for most of my career. And so uh, I've worked at various levels um, at an ad agency that did, did a lot of digital marketing and then for a, a large national insurance company uh, doing a lot of their digital marketing and uh, trying to attract people uh, to our company using your kind of traditional digital channels. Yeah, and so and when he says insurance company, it wasn't sound like annuities. It was uh, uh, I I care insurance. It wasn't. Yes. A, yeah. So you know, here's the thing with the digital marketing. There's so many. It seems to be moving so fast. It's hard to stay ahead of the curve. And there's not? just I just see just landmines everywhere because yep. there's all these firms that are coming out of nowhere offering these digital services to you, and it's hard to tell, you know, what's good, what's bad. Yeah. What do you, so? How would you define digital marketing? What's it entail, etc. Yeah. So I think kind of broadly speaking, it's the marketing of your products or services using kind of three main areas: the internet. Uh, smartphone technology, iPad, and then you know, kind of what's more emerging, podcasting apps, you know, digital media in that way. And so, uh, I think there's kind of four levels, right? Um, your most basic level of marketing is going to be your website, right? So if you think about, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously know how important a website is to your business. Uh, kind of second level down is what I would call basic customer engagement. So that's your standard email newsletter. Maybe you have a blog. If you've got a Facebook page, you know, you're kind of engaging your customers on a somewhat regular basis. I think the third level down, it gets a little more sophisticated. You're talking about uh, search engine marketing through, through things like Google or Bing, um, using Facebook to advertise to your customers, things like YouTube or LinkedIn, um, a little more complicated. And then the fourth level, which is where very, very few firms in our industry get to, is kind of this integrated data-driven campaign management. And that's where, you know, it's a bunch of buzzwords, but it's Everything that a consumer sees or experiences is catered to their interest, from the messaging to the page that they visit on your site to the ads that they see. It's all personalized. So think about your experience with Amazon, right? You go and you buy a product on Amazon. They're showing you products that are related to that product. Or if you don't buy that product, they're following you around the Internet until you buy that product. Um, and when I'm there, they remind me of a product that I bought before that I might need again, razors that's, or that's, something. That's, that's correct. That's correct. And so all of that is personalized marketing. And so um, on top of that, you're using data to make decisions. So for us, we've got uh, real-time graphs and charts that tell us which campaigns are working, which campaigns are not working. And so we know where to double down on spend and where to stop. And so, but again, very, very few firms, um, and not just in our industry, in most industries, get to this point. It's a very basic level of understanding for most people. Yeah, and I can say just a little kind of side note, at Handsome McLean, our, our model is such that our advisors we have a great team of certified financial planners. 
their job is to meet with clients. It's the firm's job, Brad's job, to to make sure that uh, qualified clients come and engage with the firm and raise their hand and say, I'd like, like to do business with you. Our advisors don't schedule their own appointments. The firm schedules them for them. Or even find people to engage with. Uh, 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 yeah, the, the, the advisors act as advisors, not as uh, rainmakers. Yeah, they're not, in our they're not producers. And, and Brad's job is to make sure that, in uh, my job and Scott's job, and is to make sure that there's high-quality people sitting with our advisors that can make decisions. So in what, what ways have we used digital marketing here at Handsome McLean to help Handsome McLean grow? You, you know what? Before we go there, Scott, can I just can you just spend two minutes on the importance of a of a very, very professional website? Because yeah, we still see advisors out there, advisors who would be great advisors. I would trust my mother with them, and I look at their website, and I because that's their storefront. It the website is the modern day storefront. Yep. Yeah, and, and so specifically in our industry, we're in a very high trust barrier industry, right? We're not we're not selling widgets. We're selling trust. We're selling advice. And so, your website is the face of your company. To your points, Pat, it's your storefront. And so, having a website that looks professional, that looks clean, that has very clear and concise messaging is. Uh, it's, it's critical, and, and for any firm that out there that doesn't have one of those, it is it is worth the investment. And with you know, with people now, with uh, the ability to outsource work across the United States and across the world, building a website is not a thirty thousand dollar endeavor anymore. You can do it for very cheap. There's plenty of platforms that allow you to build something that um, you can do it for under ten thousand dollars, and it's going to make a world of difference for when customers come and visit you. So where would someone go for if they had a ten thousand dollar budget? Where would they start? Yeah, so on Fiverr. Look, yeah, <laughs> Fiverr. Yeah, honestly, Fiverr or um, kind of any of those gig economy sites would be good places to start. And if you don't have, uh, if you have somebody already, use something like WordPress. WordPress is a very easy uh, CMS, and, and what it allows you to do is update your own content, update your own images with with very basic knowledge of of kind of how to use um, technology. Now, so what are some ways that Hanson McLean's use digital marketing? Yeah, so we've kind of used two different things. So the first way we use it is uh, keeping the lines of communication between us and our prospective clients open. So we have thousands of people in our system who are not yet clients of ours, but have expressed some sort of desire to learn about retirement or financial planning or anything kind of in our space. And so we provide meaningful, relevant content to those folks on a weekly basis through both email and then social channels. And kind of our kind of fundamental belief is if we can continue to provide value to these folks um, over a period of time, eventually when they have a, a need and they see the value in having a financial advisor, um, we're going to be kind of top of mind to them. So it's, it's very similar to how the radio program has run for 20 years. People have heard us on the air. People grow to like us and trust us. And then when they have a need, um, you know, we're kind of in that consideration set in terms of a firm that they want to partner with. So that's that's a really big, important channel for us. And so we spend a lot of time every week on email and, and, and blogging and, and providing value to people that are trying to honestly learn about kind of the retirement phase and how they can best prepare. And so I know we create a lot of our own content. For somebody that's small, uh, what would you recommend for someone like that for the state? Yeah, so, yeah, so there are some sites out there that provide um, kind of third-party content and uh, you can pull some articles from them. It's not going to help you uh, in kind of in search engine marketing, so making sure that your articles show up when people search them. But if it's providing valuable content, uh, that's probably a good place to start. And so if you don't have um, kind of your own 
a unique point of view or you don't have time to write the articles, you can certainly use uh, a third-party site. And you can just Google you know, third-party content sites for advisors, and you'll find a couple of places that offer them. And they sell them a relatively uh, cheap. It's, it's important to remember that a poorly written piece by you as an advisor, poorly as in the message isn't clear and or the grammar errors. isn't correct um, yeah. or punctuation – is worse than ever putting one out on your, your You own. know, Pat, I remember years ago, a, um, a client of mine, he, it was actually, I think he had retired, and she had said to me, she says, I got to talk to you about, she says, you have grammatical, basic grammatical errors in your newsletter. This was like 20-some years ago. And she says, I just got to tell you, I don't understand anything about financial matters, but I'm really strong with the English language. And so when I see you make mistakes with something that I know a lot about, I just assume you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. It was kind of some friendly advice you gave me. It was great. It was yeah. good advice. I, I never forget So, it. So I see some advisors put out their own content. And um, anyway, so you're better off using third-party content that is well-written, concise, uh, than you are actually writing your own content. And if you write something, have you can find someone online who will review it too. Yeah, you, you can get them on Fiverr. Yep. If you're not right. familiar with Fiverr, Google Fiverr. Then you'll see. Right. And the, uh, so the, the second way we kind of use digital marketing is for acquiring new clients. And so uh, we've tried uh, probably a dozen channels from everywhere from LinkedIn to YouTube to Pandora. So for us, kind of two primary channels that have been effective for us in acquiring uh, potential clients or clients would be Google AdWords and Facebook. So Google AdWords is when you search a topic like financial advisor or retirement planning, uh, we show up on the search results for people to consider us uh, as a firm. So we use Google AdWords uh, really effectively in that way. And then Facebook, obviously everyone knows how Facebook works. And we've used both of those channels from everything from digital content. So, you know, Scott, you write blogs for uh, CNBC or Forbes, and we'll promote those there. Or we write our own content on our site. We have digital ebooks that are they're not difficult to write. They're about you know 15 minutes uh, to read, and it covers a specific topic. Um, we use those uh, channels to invite folks to workshops. We've also used them for a direct invitation to meet with us or meet with one of our advisors. And so, Brad, people, yeah, we have our own copywriter in house, though, do we not? Yes, we do. So it's it's not difficult for us to write for our firm. To but write. somebody can certainly that's correct. Use a third party. You could so. My point being is that if you're not a good, a great, great writer, I am not. Pat McLean is not a great writer uh, by yeah. any means. Um, I would just encourage you to go out and hire that. And like we said, we, we, we've actually have you can a contract and a piece. You know, the, there's a lot of people in financial journalism that aren't making great livings these days. That will work for. I mean, even even the if there's a business writer in your local newspaper, or, might do a side job. Or or if you belong, if you have a bunch of your friends that are in different geography, you guys can all go together on a common, um, on a common newsletter and just change the call to action. On guys it. and gals. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, guys, I didn't mean like. I wasn't like okay. trying to be sexist, but if if you, and a bunch of your friends. All right. Continue, Brad. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. So I think the last thing I was going to, the point of how we used it is just we're trying to meet people at their various levels of need, right? So like any other 
form of marketing, there are folks that come to us that are are not quite ready to make that jump into meeting with the financial advisor, but they want to start learning about the retirement planning phase or financial planning. And so we try to provide content or offers at each of those various levels and meet those people at that their, their various levels of need. What's, so, that, what's that mean? So, um, Give me an example. Talking, yeah, so for example, we use a lot of our workshops for folks that are typically maybe three years out or less and are really trying to test drive either the retirement planning process or us as a firm, that's a really good chance for us to get in front of those folks. And so we'll use uh, specific targeting methods to find folks like those, whereas there are other people that are uh, maybe further out or not yet ready to test drive a firm. We'll offer them digital content that they consume, consume from the comfort of their couch or from their phone. Um, and so trying to meet people at their various levels. Of need. And then there are folks that raise their hand that may search something like uh, financial advisor Denver. And we want to show up when they search that so that um, when they're considering firms to, to work with, we show up in, in their lives and they can uh, use us as a potential. And that would show up on Google AdWords or just plain SEO? That's correct. Yeah, cool. so that's, well, yeah, hopefully it'd be both, right? And so we're working towards both of those, but certainly in Google AdWords, so those paid ads at the top. And so um, you'll see a lot of uh, Merrill Lynch and Charles Schwab, a lot of big companies, and we compete directly against those companies um, to try to earn people's business. And how do you cost all this? Yeah, then? I was going to say, because some words are much more expensive than others. Yeah, so how do yeah, you, co- you know, how do you cost this, and, and what software is there any available that would help you understand this? Yeah, it's, or it's a book. A, yeah, it's a very complicated um, uh, formula that Google, uh, you know, probably intentionally employs, right? So you can't kind of figure out uh, the science behind it. But Google AdWords has their own proprietary tool that tells you if you're going to run this ad at this time, uh, and this geography, here's what's going to roughly cost you, right, per click. So, um, like we know, for an example, if we're going to get someone to click on our site from an ad that we're competing against a Merrill Lynch or a Charles Schwab, it might be somewhere around $9, right, for them to click on our ad. And then we know from there the likelihood of that person actually filling out a form and the likelihood of us actually calling that person and being qualified. So we, we've kind of mapped out this whole um, funnel for people. And so we know what we can afford to, to spend to acquire a person at that level. So, you know, we'll know this keyword or this search term is too expensive for us. We're not going to compete for it. Right. And so we've, we've become really smart and refined in terms of you know, how to get people into our, uh, into our kind of system. So you don't just go out and buy every possible search word that, um, no, and so no. let's like, let's pretend like it was Scott Hanson. I'm Scott, Pat McLean. Uh, let's pretend like we were 20 years ago. We were 20 some odd years ago, just getting going. But it's 2008, 17, 18, whatever. Uh, now, how, what do I do today? Yeah, I mean, we have a team of 70 employees. We have a, a Brad Bukestein yep. on. But what on, if there's just three yeah. of us here? Yep. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things you can consider. So if you have existing uh, email addresses of people that are in your system, I think the number one thing you can do is get out a regular consistent, somewhat compelling newsletter to those folks, right? Because those people have already said, I'm generally interested in what you have to say, or I'm generally interested in the services that you have to offer. Those are the lowest hanging fruit. And so um, I would spend a lot of time thinking about what compelling offer do I have as a, as a firm, right? And so what are you going to give people that they can't get anywhere else? So is that a, a particular point of view? Is that something that you can write that would help them make an informed decision? What can you offer for us we and that's very, Brad. That's a key thing, right? Because yes, I mean we're competing. We're a, a, an independent advisory firm, a fiduciary advisory firm. We're competing against a Charles Schwab, 
fidelity. In fact, we have a we have an office that uh, has fidelity in the building. It has fidelity and Schwab and Schwab and three other advisory firms in the same building. The same building. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fortunately, ours is the closest to the front door, though. And we own the building. But other than that. (laughs) Right. But the point being is it's highly competitive. Correct. Highly. And And we can't go toe to we can't go. Head to head, toe to toe with, with Schwab or Fidelity, no, we'll get crushed. Correct. So if you think about, let's just take a, an example of um, an article that's talking about five ways to maximize your retirement savings. Right. Like everybody can write that article. The way that we differentiate ourselves, we think that we write in a very straightforward manner that has plain language that makes it easy for people to understand. We kind of get rid of the financial speak. And we use uh, both of you guys. You guys are very entertaining and educational at the same time. So you guys are a are you a unique competitive advantage for us in that space. And so tell me more. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when people come and no, most no, no, I mean, I mean it. <laughs> I want to hear yeah. more of that. That's all I got. That's okay. all I got. Thanks, Brad. That's, that's, Sorry uh, about the, the office compliment. move that's taking yeah. place tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the compliment well is empty, Pat. I don't know about it. what is. What are some of the things that so for Google? Let's let's go back to Google AdWords for a second, right? Yep. I'm 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 um, Smith Financial. There's three of us. I'm in a medium-sized city. Is that even something I bother with? Yeah. Or do I just concentrate on the first two things, which is what you started this whole thing was website, basic customer engagement, SEM, and SEO, right? And integrated data-driven experience. Do I just, if I'm small, do I just, do I just work on the first two things or? Yep. So I would try to perfect. It's like a pyramid, right? You try to perfect one and two. So your website has to be your your primary experience, right? You're going to engage most of the folks um, that are coming to you. If you can get if you can get down to basic customer engagement and have it done really well, then I think you're you're ready to move on to more sophisticated things like search engine marketing or paid advertising. But if you can't send out a regular email newsletter that is getting uh, regular engagement, I think you need to start testing there. And so an example would be in our industry, uh, you have something called open rate, which the percentage of people that receive your email, how many of them actually open it? So 20% would be a good benchmark for you to aim for. If you can get one-fifth of the people to open your email, I think you should feel satisfied. You know, people are inundated with emails, and so you know, on average, if you can get that, that's a good number for us for you to strive and, for. And where are we? Uh, we're over 20%. And, it, depends on the, it depends on the topic, though, honestly. It depends on um, what we talk about. And what's the, and what, we, I know we do ours frequently. Uh, once a week is our frequency on this. It, 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 and we always come back and is that too much or is that too little? If you were starting this, so I met with a, 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 an advisor the other day that was thinking about joining our firm and he said, yeah, I do that. And I said, how often? Well, every once in a while. Well, that, that isn't every once in a while isn't a frequency you're really aiming for. It's when you right. get around to it. Right. Yep. Because as we started this, we talked about marketing being proactive and a lot of things in our business being reactive. At a minimum, you should do this um, basic customer engagement once a month, once every, twice a month. What's the frequency? Yeah, yes, I think if you're if you're using Scott's example and you've got three people in your firm, uh, certainly the number one rule is you need to be regular, right? So you need to have it every the same day or the same period uh, repeatedly, or so people know when to expect it. 
But I would say you need to try aim for at least once a month. If you can, if you can afford the bandwidth or you can afford the, the writing, if you're outsourcing it, I would try to go every other week. You know, to your point earlier, Pat, we have an in-house copywriter, we have a designer, so and we're thinking of these topics weeks and weeks out. So we've got the obviously the bandwidth to be able to do that. If you're a smaller firm, I would try to do once a month. And then the most important thing is if you're using an email uh, campaign system like a uh, Mailchimp or uh, Eye Contact, it tells you you know, what people are engaging with, make sure you look at that every time you send out your news. What are people clicking on? What are people reading? People will tell you what they're interested in and then, you know, double down on those topics. So for us, you know, retirement planning is really popular. Anything to do with, um, you know, integrating Social Security into your retirement savings uh, is a really important a popular topic for us. Taxes is a really popular topic. So how to minimize your taxes in retirement. So we we visit those topics fairly regularly. Brad, do we go back and look to the detail of all right? What percentage of our what 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 do our platinum clients pay attention to? Do we do we yep. do, do we go yep. into that kind of detail? Yeah, so we do evaluate from a, from a client standpoint. We do evaluate people people are interested in, and it, it you know it's not. Um, there's not one kind of cookie cutter formula, but you would you can kind of imagine people are generally anything that has to do with um, kind of elongating you know your money in retirement or maximizing uh, how much money you have in retirement. You know, obviously very interested in that. But a lot of you know people that are, are retired that are platinum clients of ours really care about things like what should I consider before I downsize or. Um, what are some ways that I can stay active and engaged in retirement? What are some things that I can consider there, right? So it's maybe less than your kind of standard uh, kind of financial topic. Hey, yeah, Brad, Brad, Brad I, so this is – I'm asking this question because I, I really don't know the answer, um, and this came to mind. So we just had a series of workshops that were our best-attended workshops in the 23, 24 years that we've been in business. Yep. And it was a new topic that you suggested – was that topic suggested because of the research of what people were opening our um, emails and reading, or was yep. it just was that was, was that? Yeah, so it, it was a combination of things, right? So it, it was around um, Social Security, and we know that Social Security. Every time we send out any sort of email around Social Security, it it, it gets immediate ten to fifteen percent boost in open rates and engagement. People just love that topic. I think largely because it affects most people. Um, and so the kind of the prevailing theory is, well, it may be folks that um, maybe are uh, less qualified as potential clients of ours because maybe they have lower incomes or lower retirement savings. And um, what we found is is that uh, we have a large uh, database of folks, right, that, that read our emails. And How many, like, what's large, 20,000? Uh, yeah, we have 20,000 people that regularly read or re- regularly get our email. Um, and so we know a lot of those because we, we ask them, we know we ask how much do you have in retirement takes. We know a large percentage of them have um, what we would consider they're qualified as clients. And a lot of them open emails and, and articles around Social Security. So the theory was, is, well, if this is true, why are all these qualified potential clients reading this topic? It seems like it, it may be pertinent to everybody, not just people that maybe have lower retirement savings amounts. And so that was kind of how we, we um, generated the theory of what if we tried this and see what we got. And um, I think you mentioned it right, Pat. But um, our our best ever attended um, from a from a future client appointment standpoint, the numbers have been outstanding, and um, the the amount of retirement savings that these folks have has been been incredible. So are, and are you very, very good? So you continue to mine the data of, of what people are opening or not opening in order to better perfect other marketing channels. Other marketing channels, correct? Yes, yes. So every quarter we go through, uh, so we have 12 articles per quarter. We go through the 12 articles and we kind of sort out 
maybe the top four, and then what are iterations of those topics that we can build upon, right? And so then we cut, you know, we take the, maybe the bottom two or three, we cut those out and say we're not going to visit these topics again for a while. So and, you know, it's interesting, um, they're not heavy financial, are they? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mix. It's not your typical, what you would think people would be interested in. To, to my point earlier, it's sometimes it's about life in retirement. It's about things like downsizing or how to talk to your kids about finances. It, it, they're, they're all sorts of variety of topics. Yeah, you know, but it's not uh, what's happening with the yield curve in the next quarter. And, no, no, okay. no. Very, very, very rarely do we actually write about that because it's, a, it's it, yeah. There and there's plenty, they can get that information anywhere else. So, so, here's, so it's easy for us, Scott and Pat, to sit back and, we have a uh, vice president of marketing. We have a designer. We have a copywriter. We have a video and a sound producer. But we weren't always this way. I mean, the, Scott and I started this business, if you listen to our first podcast, um, years ago with, with nothing. But we've always had a marketing focus, and we understood yeah. that you actually had to make marketing something part of your firm if you wanted to grow it, as does any good company, any good company. Um, Even Apple still has a, Apple, spends a fortune on the marketing. Walmart only in the last ten years had decided to start uh, marketing on television. Prior to that, uh, they had never done that, or even circular. So their marketing has changes. I'm not asking you how I feel about Walmart, but you have to respect how they've done. So, so my point being is, if you're starting out, you've got to have a marketing focus, and if you don't. Maybe you should actually talk to firms that do if you want to be involved in those. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, SEO. And yep. if you're listening to this, you think, what is SEO? Don't feel bad. Just yesterday, my wife says to me, what's SEO? <laughs> Search engine optimization. I was talking with a guy who sells, buys and sells used Rolex watches. And I was talking to him. And I I've, imagine it's all SEO for him. Because his kid is at Boston College along with my kid. And they're sharing it. They're living in a place. And. The guy's got a place in Newport Beach, a place in Aspen, Colorado. I figure he's doing pretty good for, well for himself. And I said, is the secret in, in buying, paying the right price for the buying? He says, oh, no, it's all SEO, 100% SEO. He says, my, I, what I spend, what me and my team spend time on is SEO. Which is, I get, I get the first so look at all the Rolexes. If you Google right now, um, Rolex, use Rolex watches or use luxury watches, you will see Bob's Watches will be the first thing that is it, shows up. Is it really called Bob's Watches? Yeah, his name's not Bob either, but it was Bob's Watches. Did he have All a nice SEO. watch on, Scott? Yeah, I'm not much of a watch guy, so I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> and I don't own a Rolex, so I was the, yeah, not a good like, market wow. for him. But. Okay, anyway. So SEO, speak to SEO. Yeah, so SEO is obviously the organic ranking of your content, right? And so uh, Google holds kind of this secret algorithm, and, and over time people have started to figure out what they value. And so... Um, SEO is going to be very, very difficult. If you're a small company, it's a it's a long road. But um, to to Scott's point, right, 90% of all purchases start with an online search, right, and, and that includes you know researching advisory firms. And so um, it is a long play. But if you have the ability and bandwidth to write content and to optimize your pages, um, it is going to pay off in spades. We have um, somebody in our industry um, that just generates leads for other firms, and he gets 100,000 uh, unique visitors a month only from organic traffic because he has written content for years, uh, just you know, writing about financial advising and planning. And, um, yeah, it just it, it's, it's the only way that he you know, doesn't spend any money anymore. He's, he's put in the work for years, and now he's, he's reaping all the benefits. But, from it. but you, 
you know, a few years back, we we probably had paid for a couple of different consultants. Oh, uh, I was actually, Scott, I was hoping you would bring this up. I can remember at least three where we paid them to, for SEO. Five grand or 10 grand. Or yeah, where SEO. they came in and they said, this is what we're going to do and fix this stuff. And they could never show them any work product. And they said, the problem is, is we don't have enough links. Um, yep. And and I said to him, well, that that you were supposed to fix that. And they said, well, tell us who to link to. And and anyway, so <laughs> um, paying a firm for SEO, search engine optimization, is it isn't always helpful, no. correct? Nope. nope, that is correct. It's going to be a very very long process. Anybody that you know firms, I, and I used to you know work at a firm that did this kind of stuff, and. Uh, anyway, they can tell you it's a quick fix. Unless you've been building up years of content, uh, it's not. It's never a quick fix. And touch upon Facebook briefly um, in our last moments here. Yeah. What? Yeah, where so we? Is, what have? How we've been using Facebook? And what have we learned? Yeah. So Facebook has been a really, really successful platform for us, right? And so I think why is because for Facebook, people are are going about their normal daily lives, and we can, you can kind of run into people there, right? And so it's everyday consumers talking to their friends, sharing, sharing moments and memories, and then you know, we can show up in a meaningful way. And so the way that we've kind of used Facebook um, is we provide kind of this relevant educational content, and we do it in video format, we do it in written format, we do it in podcast format, and we just make it available to people via Facebook. And, and so a couple of things on Facebook. I, I think if you're talking about, I want to get started in Google AdWords, or I want to get started in Facebook, I would tell people, go to Facebook because it's going to require less technical expertise. They've made it very easy um, to at least understand the interface. Now, the actual advertising itself, it, it can be challenging, but if, if you want to try something, Facebook is going to be much uh, simpler than, than Google AdWords. But a couple things to, to think about with Facebook. One is, is message. Um, there, I've seen a lot of firms out there. It's not about your credentials as a firm. Right? It's the benefit that the consumer will receive. Tell them the benefit that they will receive from your offer. What will they learn? How will their life be better? Um, I see, I've seen financial advisors on my own feed talking about how great they are and how many offices they have. I don't, I don't nobody care. Cares. Right? I, nobody cares. What and can you do for me? What's in it for me? Correct. Yeah. That's correct. It's the number one mistake I see kind of our industry makes. W-I-F-M. There you go. Uh, what's in it for me? And uh, the second thing is image. And so um, I have a kind of a funny story about this. So test your images. So we run these workshop ads um, about every quarter for these, these large workshops that we host in all of our different markets. And we have this beautiful image, and it's, um, it's of Scott and Pat. It's of both of you guys up, up front on the stage. It's beautiful lighting. You see all these people in the crowd. Like, this ad is going to do great, and it's gonna, you know, we're going to get a ton of people to register for these workshops. And it is horrible, like okay. horrible. And then we had this image of Pat, and he's about 50 feet away, and his arms are raised like Moses. And, and you, kinda can, you can't really see the crowd very well. The lighting's poor. And every workshop series we run, that is our best performing ad. And no one would <laughs> have ever. Yeah, and no I didn't one would have thought. Yes. And so no one would have thought if we were lining up a series of images like, hey, we're going to pick that one. That one's the best. But, you know, test your images. And we have um, images that, that, are, that work well in certain markets, don't work well in others. And I can't explain it. Um, but test your images. You can optimize, and eventually you'll find out the kind of the, the series of ads that work best for well, you. That is market. one of the beauties of digital marketing is the, the feedback, feedback is yeah. immediate. <laughs> yep. Great. Yep, it's, it's a immediate. clear channel. You don't have to wonder. Yeah, what's happening or yeah. who did what. Or Anyway, Brad, thank you very, very much for, uh, first of all, for being at Hanson McLean um, and uh, helping us uh, grow this company. 
helping us as we go out and talk to other advisory firms about joining us, the value that we add as an organization to uh, our clients. And yeah. um, it's important. What we do is important and your role in it is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, thank Brad. You. And uh, that, so this essentially uh, concludes this podcast. And if you've liked this podcast, we ask two things. One is afford it to a couple other advisors, you know, that think that think they could benefit from it. Um, Cause I'm sure you know some other advisors that uh, maybe they're not in your backyard and you're just not worried about competing with them. So share this content with them. Also, wherever you subscribe to this, if you get it from iTunes, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe to this podcast and then um, uh, give us a good rating on, on the podcast as well. So, Thanks again for being part of Hans McLean's Advisor to Advisor. The contents of this podcast are exclusively intended for financial professionals. 